You're listening to MedTech Monday, a podcast series about medical technologies, digital health, trends, entrepreneurship, innovation, and commercialization. Brought to you by the New England Medical Innovation Center, otherwise known as NEMIC. NEMIC is the premier MedTech venture studio and business accelerator supporting regulated medical technologies to achieve successful fundraising and commercialization. Explore how we can support your venture at www.nemiccenter.com. That's N-E-M-I-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Now, let's get into this week's episode. You're listening to MedTech Monday. I'm your host, Danielle Stern. And on today's episode, we are recapping two COVID-19 response innovation hackathons that NEMIC hosted in partnership with the Rhode Island DLT Back to Work program on May 12th and 14th and April 16th of 2021. We had support from organizations like Zymedica, Loft LLC, Design Rhode Island, Octo Product Development, um, and many more. So in today's episode, our focus is on the innovation process within the medical space and why it is so important to understand how having a framework for innovation can streamline and better innovative outcomes in the long run. We're able to talk about this confidently today because I have two guests who have dedicated their careers to working within the medical innovation space. And joining us is NEMIC's founder and healthcare innovator, Aidan Petrie, and Ayan Bandari, who is a senior human-centered industrial designer at Zymedica, professor at the RISD School of Design, and CEO of his own startup, New Way. Both Aidan and Ayan teach a business of design course at RISD, where they focus on the intersection of design and business. And I'm so excited to have them on today. Aiden and Ayan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your work together and collaborative goals that really have led you to one, teaching this design class together, as well as brought you together to work on these recent hackathons with us? Well, so Ayan and I met at Zymedica, where I was a the co-founder and ran the innovation group for probably 20 years. And over that time, we developed a really, really thorough methodology for concept generation in the medical space and what we're calling hackathons or innovation sprints and so forth. And the basis for what we used the the other day was was essentially what we brought everybody through, but that was derived over many years. Very briefly, my background is in product design and engineering with a master's from RISD in industrial design, and then have spent a great deal of well, in my entire career, working in sort of entrepreneurial areas of uh, design, healthcare, entrepreneurship, and so forth. And I, um, I think, generate a lot of patents over that time, started a lot of companies, uh, and so forth. Yeah, yes. Um, similar to, to Aiden, I have, you know, purely been in med tech my entire career. One of the things that I kind of want to bring up is that the process that we use at Zymatica, what we've been using to develop MedTech is like what we brought into the hackathon these past few weekends. I started working at Zymatica a few years ago. I have always believed that, you know, design has a superpower in order to like leave something behind. You know, we industrial designers, human-centered designers and at Zymatica, we have the ability to, or the opportunity to be able to look at something at a holistic level and apply everything that you need to create a connection between human capability and technical feasibility, right? That bridge between the two. Aiden and I obviously met at Zymedica. In fact, there's a funny story. My very first presentation at Zymedica was to Aiden and he hated it. (laughs) And uh, I have taken that with me every single day 
to say every time I walk into a presentation, whether it's client internal, if Aiden was sitting there, would this be good enough? That said, I think part of part of what transitioned from there is that Aiden brings a good wisdom and experience in the medical field that he has had over time. And I sort of bring a kind of process and skill set. And I think you also bring enthusiasm. So in the course we teach at RISD, I'm more of a, a lecturer and you're more of a nurturer. And as you said, that there is having done, been in industry for over 35 years now and having retained a reasonably good memory, there is an awful lot of knowledge that one has inherently that we can bring to bear. And then you have a, a perspective that is current. You are much hipper than I am and relate to the students in different ways. And I think that that same thing what goes in, in the hackathon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, one, one of the things I also did, did want to kind of bring up is that part of why Aiden and I work really well in this class and why the hackathon really worked out is that discrepancy that he just talked about where I can actually spend the time in the process as if I am one of the team to work through problems, you know, almost call it like creative director, CEO, right? I have the capability of just say, working through the problem with the team. And then Aiden is able to then be presented the problem and then look at it from a like, okay, now you have a good design problem, a business infrastructure and some level of technology. And so having that dichotomy allows us to really focus on what we're strong at which I think can be tough sometimes because sometimes you can have the similar sort of character trying to do different things. And I think that that dichotomy actually works really well. So just for our listeners, I'd love to talk about, you know, the framework of these innovation design sprints and how we applied it to this hackathon. So like through Aiden's work at Nemec and then coming or at Zymedica and then coming to Nemec and really this past year, we've been working on putting together kind of a package to be able to partner with organizations and corporations and groups like the Rhode Island DLT, where we did this hackathon to put on this process of innovation for this hackathon. Obviously it was over three days. This could be stretched out a little farther and, you know, do it once a week for a couple of weeks. But that framework looks like what, what we did and applied it just so people have an example for this hackathon. It was a three day all day. These teams were working on innovating new ideas and really what they were looking at because um, of the COVID-19 pandemic, we were really solving problems in the space that have for hard hit communities in Rhode Island and really trying to make their lives better due to the problems that they have and have been having and will have because of the pandemic. So as an outline, that first day we were calling an immersion day, that second day we were calling a concept generation day. And on the third day it was a refine and pitch your idea. Can you just tell me and our listeners a little bit about that process and what happens on each of those days? Sure, I, I'll start it by saying the to do. I've never actually liked hackathons, and so the process, or you know, these these are quirks. I, I, I'll admit, but I don't particularly like hackathons, and I cannot tolerate the word brainstorming. And in, the principle there is because they're too random. And what we do in these innovation sprints is not random at all. It's one is it's highly curated and we put together a program that had a series of of steps, as you mentioned, through it. But there are a couple of other key components. The next is that, wait, first of all, it's curated. Secondly, that we've really worked hard on what the what we're trying to address, what is the opportunity statement, what is the problem statement, and so forth. 
if you go into these things with a poorly framed problem statement, then you're not going to get that far. The next, which again is absolutely critical, and Ion alluded to it, is that we have some way of evaluating what we're doing. And so we call it evaluation criteria or some sort of matrix that everybody in the team has agreed will be the measure for success. And this is something that if you don't know when you've hit the mark, you will more than likely miss the mark. And so having having that sort of that criteria in place, which is generated by the participants is critical. And then finally, is that we put a, a designer in every single team. And that to me is the magic. And we were lucky enough, as you said, to have folk from Loft, Octo, Cymedica, and so forth. And the reason a, di- a, a designer is important is designers can visualize something that doesn't exist. And when you visualize something, you've entered into a common language that everybody else can relate to rather than writing down words and or hand-waving or making long speeches or something like that. An image is an image. And so with those components and that framework, you're setting yourself up for success. And the last one is that we defined how the work product was going to be presented. And so we had nothing to do with the actual what what came out of it, but we did have a framework that everybody knew and, and it made that sort of whole thing simpler. And maybe, Ayan, you want to talk about the Miro framework we used as well. Yeah, no, I, I, wanna, I wanna emphasize something really important because I've had a chance to go to different hackathons throughout my career. And you know, my startup was a spin-off of the global hackathon at MIT. And I think the difference between what those experiences have been at Yale, at MIT, at Harvard, and then what we did here at Nemec is the way the structure was put together and the understanding of what it actually takes to create the foundation for a company. The simple way to put that is if you're canoeing through a fog, knowing that you're sort of trying to find land, that is innovation. You can't see it. You just have to believe it's there and you have to keep rowing and you have to keep going. What we did at the hackathon was create a structure that relieved some of the anxiety and some of the fear of what it is like to go through that fog. And a lot of companies have this capability. Everyone has their sort of quote unquote innovation process. But this particular one that we've developed at Dymatica with Aiden has found some niche that allows people who are not, say, creatively inclined or working in design particularly to be able to manipulate that fog and get to that answer. And that in particular is what made this successful, especially because it was remote, which is exhausting. And I'm sure anyone who's been going through the Zoom meetings and the Teams meetings, it is exhausting. But that structure gives you that sort of stepping stone to get there. And part of that comes to collaboration because you're not in the same room. And so we used Miro to be able to allow people to feel like they were drawing on the same whiteboard, posting pictures, things like that. And that capability of of working instantaneously with a good process is what made that more successful, I believe, and than what it would have been if, you know, you just tried to randomly just put people in a room and let them work. So there was a lot of time and effort 
put into that infrastructure that kind of holds them. If you if you imagine all the people who participated in the hackathon were little iPods, and what we did was create iTunes. So we gave them the infrastructure to basically enhance their their capabilities. I think too, um, just from the feedback of all the participants as well, one those like mirror boards and that infrastructure was one of the biggest things that not only the participants loved, but also the design leads that we brought in. It made their work a lot easier in you know organizing what their teams were thinking and coming up with. But also having those design leads, I think, is something different that no one that participated expected that was going to happen, that they're going to have someone assigned to them all day for the three days, pretty much putting all their ideas into a board and into drawings and bringing it all together. Um, so I think that they were able to, you know, take steps farther forward than they would in an original type of hackathon setup. Yeah, you know, that's a great point and something that I don't think I appreciated until really the end, which was having a champion, someone who understands the process and someone who's okay with navigating the fog, right? Because if you're a hammer, every problem's a nail. But to a designer, they are used to kind of sort of developing their own uh, evaluation criteria while figuring out X, Y, and Z and using systems level thinking to really understand a process holistically. And so putting someone like that who can champion your project definitely is part of the reason why they could go from no idea to a potential company spinoff in three days because of that ability. Yeah, I think what was really interesting and, and rewarding was that in these typical groups and in the ones that we did a couple of weeks ago, you had folk who were physicians, people who were studying to be physicians. We had engineers. We had people who were in um, professional. We had students from RISD, Brown, URI, PhDs. And most of them, I don't think any of them had met each other. Maybe a couple had actually met each other until the day that we put it together. And to see the work product that came out of two and a half days of curated, intense programming was, was incredible. And I will say the same thing. I never know where it's going to end. We focus on making sure there's a really good question at the beginning. We do the same in the class at RISD. And we'll, when we set up, when we run, run one of these sessions for a client at NEMIC, We'll do the same thing. We'll focus on that question. We have no idea where it's going to end. I mean, and it is always kind of delightful, surprising as to how far they got and how real those solutions were. And, and in, the, in the case that we, we had, what, 24, 12 teams, and a couple of them were already beginning to move through to, to ask the question, is this something that we can actually build a framework around and get a patent for or something like that? So they can be very, very impactful. Exactly. And I was just going to ask you, Aiden, you were the one when we were writing this proposal to do this that brought up, you know, this would be a good framework to use under this grant program to really create new, hopefully create new businesses. It's like the very start of, you know, innovating a technology. Once they these companies went through this hackathon, innovated this technology, they're now coming to us at NEMIC and we're either helping them, you know, figure out if there's a business case, figure out if there's a patent or putting them in contact with community partners that will help them to do that. Now, in the future, when we run these and, you know, we're looking to partner with corporations or other larger groups, in your opinion, why do groups need kind of like that outside group to come in to do this? And what are the outcomes for them? I think in part we're, we're creating, um, we're breaking down 
the the frameworks that companies will tend to create within their own culture and they tend to get focused on the day to day and that innovation within companies becomes increasingly sort of formalized and stagnated within particular areas in the work that we did on covid the 24 people now have a new process when they left for for innovating in whatever field they're in they now have a framework that they can they saw how successful it was and they can then advocate for that and build on that but i think this in part it's just to sort of shake off the day to day that all companies get caught into and kind of never quite being able to sort of come together and use the the incredible group knowledge base that exists within any reasonable sized company has this incredible domain expertise that they rarely 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 are actually using in a in a material way and in a in a in a way that is uh, beneficial to looking far 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 forward or even dealing with short issues that are coming up on a daily basis so you know where 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 does an idea come from well it comes from a lot more places than just one person sitting at a desk scratching away with a pen it it doesn't it comes from really energizing that that domain expertise that comes throughout the whole company and having somebody come in to exercise that is refreshing fun rewarding but it's also high value for that company or that individual yeah you know a, a big thing i want to kind of touch on with with what Aiden just talked about is what we saw in this hackathon, right? It, it, okay, I'll take a step back. What you kind of saw through COVID in a lot of ways is like humanity kind of reared its ugly head, right? And, you know, you had people storing hydrochloroquine or trying to find it. You had all these things happening. And the hackathon was an opportunity to say, especially this one, is how do you help your fellow man in this pandemic, right? And we weren't just going to ask people to give their ideas. We were going to say, as long as you care enough, as long as you're willing to put in the work, we have a way for you to get there. And so you saw people who were not necessarily designers, who were younger, older, who participate to say like, no, no, we just care. And we want to try to do something to, to make that happen. And what you saw was kind of to what, what sparked this thought in my head with what Aiden was saying was they had an opportunity to be free and kind of talk about it, work through it. And, and, and push for that. We gave them the opportunity to say, there is no far enough, right? You can go as far as you want to go and we'll help you make it feasible. And what honestly we saw was some pretty incredible ideas. Like people were looking to change full interest, like no one held back. And I love that. And it didn't matter how old they were. It didn't matter what their experience was they felt comfortable within the infrastructure that we gave them that it was possible. And that honestly, at the end of the day is how you be, is how you're innovative. It's how you push the limit. It's how you change the game because fear truly is the misuse of your imagination. And we were able to create something that said, okay, I don't have to be scared. I think I'm going to get there because I believe in the steps I took to get here. And Sure, you can do that in a hackathon. You can do that over the weekend and it's exhausting and you need, a, you need a vacation from your vacation. But if you hold on to a small part of that process that we showed and you take that with where you go, whether it's in design, teaching, this and that, that mentality of, 
no, I think I got here doing the right, going through the right steps will, is the kind of thought process that allows us to make influential change. And so I look forward to that more of an impact, that thinking, that thought process, what I truly believe is the design thinking process, what you're truly taught as a designer to sort of spread through versus the companies and ideas themselves, which are great. But that process, I think, is really important. So give our listeners just an inside scoop. I'd love to share kind of the, we had two weekends of this hackathon, like I said, and we had two first place teams. And I'd love to share, you know, what they were working on so you understand like what what we were focusing on over the weekend. So the first weekend in March, um, the first place team was Limber Up um, and they used the weekend to design a product that combated social isolation and emotional health for groups impacted by the pandemic. So they focused on creating a health and wellness product for elder orphans. And it was, you know, a, I think, physical product that had a technical side that helped elder orphans, which is a group that they focused on where are people that don't have family or friends that have been on the older side that might not be as technologically advanced to be able to connect with other people while working out at the same time and staying healthy, which was very awesome. And that team was made up of two medical students and a product designer, and then also their design team lead, which was a really interesting, you know, mesh of a group that we had the medical background and then the designers being able to work on it at the same time. And then the second weekend, first place went to a team um, which named themselves Locomotion. They worked on virtual a virtual dance exercise platform focused on designing for school-aged children affected by the pandemic and social isolation as well. So I think looking back on it, I think both of those technologies were kind of in a similar realm where it was a health and wellness product that you know you were using on your TV, but they were focused on two different groups that were hard impacted by the pandemic. I think it's important to note here that when we said we we need to ask a good question at the beginning and this um, to sort of set the stage for these activities, it was really we brought together observations that we had either an experience that we'd been part of over the last year that we've had and could could have a direct, we had a direct starting point that was something we had experienced. And that sort of basic and the framework, we didn't know what the solution was going to be, but we had identified, and these were actually things that we had we had dealt with within Rhode Island, we had identified the idea of, of isolation and the atrophying that goes on if you're sitting at your desk Zooming all day and how um, women in particular were affected by the schools closing down and communication issues within local communities and highly ethnic communities in Rhode Island. These were all things we knew we knew something about and we directly experienced. And so having that framework, I think, allowed in a way that the, the solutions to evolve with a very material starting point. Yeah, no, I, I just want to jump on that a little bit because I think everyone kind of has a... <laughs> COVID fatigue, right? We've been dealing with it for so long. We've been isolated for so long. But it comes back to the point that I talked about earlier, which is that we've also learned a lot about who we are as people. And the thing about this, honestly, I think was a very difficult prompt was dealing with isolation and these social anxieties that are not just like, oh, 
how do you deal with X? How do you deal with Y? It was like really diving into the mental and emotional state of people in accordance with their physical state and really understanding how do you get someone either to self-motivate themselves, which I struggled with as well. You know, I'm someone who has had incredible discipline outside of COVID. And as soon as COVID hit over time, I mean, COVID won in some ways. And we were asking people to come together in the weekend, try to find out how do you manage that social, mental stress in accordance with physical and blah, 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 and do it and have them come up with these ideas. And it's amazing to see that although we all struggle separately, a lot of the ideas kind of came really close together, which is like caring about people's education, caring about where they live, if they, you know, if they're impoverished and things like that, you know, if they're dealing with infrastructure issues and just kind of at the end of the day, just making people really happy, (laughs) you know, like that's, I think why a lot of people gravitated towards, and, you know, a lot of our jurors gravitated towards the health side of, of sort of call it uh, preventative care, which is something at Zymedica we care a lot about, you know, we're trying to say, how can you do the work? before you have to go to the doctor. And and Nemec is doing kind of the same thing, which is saying like, how do we fund companies that allow you to take care of yourself before there's a problem? And it was really interesting to see that, you know, they started to go that way, which is harder. (laughs) And there's less evidence that that can work in this way or that way, or there's a process for it. And it was really interesting that they were really passionate about it. And um, yeah, I, I think that, that part in itself, just seeing the kinds of problems that they were able to, to tackle and solve is just amazing. I mean, Aiden, you, you know, you and I talk about this all the time where it's like pulling teeth sometimes to get your students to jump out of the box, right? And, and say like, I want to do something amazing because they, there's just fear. It's like, is it good enough? But then in the hackathon, people with experience, people who are, have diversity, right? Who care about, you know, Oh, I'm a Muslim woman who has experienced X. Oh, that's one person. Then the other person goes, oh, I'm a designer from this place and I have this skill. And then someone else goes, oh, you know, I am had a startup and it's failed and I'm just here to try to spark my creativity. And then those people come together and there's this beautiful sort of mesh that allows them to actually create something pretty successful, you know, like rebels with a cause, <laughs> you know. And it's just a, it's a great opportunity, I think, to really spark a foundation. That's wonderful. And I'd love to switch gears here, but I think a good segue into what I think I want to talk about with you guys is we had a a lot of feedback after both these hackathons from some of the participants, especially I was hearing from the medical students about how they're so deep in, you know, medical school learning about actually becoming a doctor that they don't think about innovation in healthcare and the opportunities that there are that go along with working in healthcare. And I think something I, I and I were talking a bit during the downtime of the, the hackathon about, I think, of, and Aiden too, I mean, he the reason he started Nemec, I think, is to grow the med tech and design and digital health ecosystem here in Rhode Island. But one thing, one through this podcast and through my work and through, I think, Ion's work as well is letting people know the opportunities within the healthcare space there is to work either on the innovation side or the design side into 
commercialization and investment as well. There's a whole breadth of jobs and opportunities there are to work here. And Ayan, I'd love to, to talk to you a little bit about, I know you do some work at Virginia Tech with students down there and kind of sharing with your industrial design students what opportunities there are in the medical space. Yeah, I am uh, one of the people who works on the Virginia Tech Industrial Design Advisory Board. It's called VTIDAB. Part of the reason we started that was because Virginia Tech is a pretty isolated school. It's in Blacksburg. It's very difficult for people to get there. And so what we wanted to do was create an opportunity that said we have this incredible talent at this. Of course, obviously, because I came from there and I mean, pretty obvious, but we have this great infrastructure, great school, great opportunity. But, you know, they don't get the, they don't, they're not in a Boston, they're not in a San Francisco, they can't just like walk out and kind of see the opportunities for design. And so part of working with the VTIDAB infrastructure is to try to bring that talent to the places it needs to be. Part of that is a showing them what opportunities design has, but especially in the medical field, right? Uh, Call me biased here, but I think Medical innovation is really difficult. It's not just about a good idea. It's not even just about good design. It's not even just about good ergonomics. There is a business and an infrastructure and there are constraints because you may be putting something in a patient. You may be dealing in a completely different environment than you would in any other industry. And then there's also the FDA. There is getting things passed. There's blah, blah, blah. So there, there are material restrictions. And so part of you know, working with like, so part of what I want to be able to do is bring this, this talent into this field. And one of the places I think is really important to do it is Providence, right? I mean, we, you, you have Nemec here, you have Zymatica, you are surrounded by fortune 50 companies in every which direction, you know, there, and it's a place that is still sort of inspirational that you can kind of make your own. And so there, there's this opportunity to say we have talent all over, we have this capability here, and we want to sort of bring it all together. So I, I want to just address that a little bit. The medical healthcare industry is the largest industry in the country. And there's a, a quote tattooed on my back, which was by, from a guy called Eric Topol that says, without innovation, the healthcare industry will bankrupt countries. And the interesting thing is that the sort of programs that we go through here are actually not common in the way that the medical world thinks. And part of that is that the design process tends to look at a lot of different options and then use the criteria to filter those down to the better options and then uses some testing to bring those down to less options, and finally go with one. If that was applied by your physician, you might be dead if the first option didn't go well. So it's a fundamentally different process of diagnosis, if not this, then what? Whereas the process that, that we used for these innovation sprints and hackathons and so forth is that we are going to look at a multitude of different things, and then we're going to filter them down. And having teams of people become uncomfortable, become comfortable being uncomfortable. And as Ayan alluded to, with the being comfortable in the fog 
is absolutely critical to using that those that domain knowledge that exists in groups of people to come up with relevant solutions. Yeah, you know, I was talking to our students the other day, right? And we said, you guys chose these projects, you know, like you chose to help women who are dealing with biological concerns. You chose to work with travelers who are struggling to navigate a city. You chose to do these things, right? So as a designer, your opportunity, you're seeing everything you're doing has to have some level of like respect for the individual that you're designing or developing for, right? So if you're saying, oh, I want to help these people, and no company out there has done what you think you're thinking, then like you really got to push it, right? You really got to say like, what is it that it actually takes to, to solve these really, really difficult problems? And I always say this at Zymedica, there's like just never a project that's easy. You know, just like never, you know, like, and, and it, it's for good reason. So a good example I'd love to share is, you know, we had a project that came in and they said, hey, we can do bloodless surgery. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, and I used the prototype and I, I used it on a stake, which was really interesting. And I, I couldn't believe what I saw. And then they're like, so this works perfectly. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Why do you need us? They're like, well, <laughs> we need to protect every, everything else around what we're doing. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds simple. It's like a cover. I had to understand physics. I had to like learn how about like tissue infrastructure, all these different things. And that's really difficult. That's a lot of work, but if you want to create something amazing, like bloodless surgery, you have to put in so much work to do so. And the medical industry, that like everything that Aiden's saying, he's so right. He's so right. Like if we don't accept that these problems are super difficult to solve and that it's going to take some time, it's going to take more money than you thought. If you don't accept that criteria, you're going to struggle. But then at the same time, you're not going to do this incredible thing like bloodless surgery, you know? And so to all these different points, the reason, if I have to, if I can bring it back to the hackathon a bit, it's why we work so hard on that structure because the structure is not saying, hey, if you follow this, this line of uh, questioning, for example, you'll get the answer. Because if that was to happen, then Aiden and I would just be living on our own island and we'd be just... <laughs> You know, we'd have our own country and we wouldn't have to worry about anything because that's too easy. But at the end of the day, that structure gives you confidence that you've made good decisions along the way. And that when you walk in and say, I need X amount, or I need to do this procedure or this thing, or I need to take this task, that you are confident it's the right thing to do. And that is the difference between the process that we shared at our hackathon and what I have seen in my career anywhere else. And to pull it all together too, I think bringing together what the reason where you're even able to put on these innovation design sprints or this hackathon is because of the community that we have here in Providence. Uh, like obviously Nemec's just the convener and everyone that we brought in like you, Ion, or the designers we brought in, they all work for different companies and we just bring them together to work on something that everyone is passionate about. And in, in the future, we hope to bring in all those same people or other people in the ecosystem that want to be part of innovating in the healthcare space. So I think that's what really like, that's why we're able to do it. And that's what makes Providence such a, a great little little city that has yeah. a booming design and healthcare space. Uh, you should, Aiden has this like really great quote that is about like, what's the difference between like a doctor and a designer, you know? And 
it's funny because it's actually, it's allowed me to navigate my, uh, my relationship because my wife is a doctor and I'm a designer and with the doctor, like, you know, they find a problem and it's like, okay, it's like, they have to find a problem and then solve it. And that's it. Right. It's like a, it's a very direct path. And that makes sense. Right. Because they're under like more pressures and different things for a designer. You kind of go like wide breath and you sort of down select and you refine and you, you know, you, there's a little bit more time. So the pyramid's a bit bigger at the top and then it gets sort of like smaller and like as you go down. Whereas a doctor, you're kind of like, you have to find the problem, solve it, take care of the patient, move on, right? It's like, okay, I got it. I'm going to go, got it, go, got it, go. And you take those two personalities and you put them together and you find this amazing dialogue that starts to happen. And also like, also amazing. I mean, at Dimetico, we do it all the time. Dynamic that's happening constantly. We are working with, you know, a surgeon who understands the process and knows the way to do it. And then you have the designer who goes, well, why is that? <laughs> and they go, I've never thought about that. It's just mm-hmm. always worked. So then you put that, you put those two sort of expressions together and that's like, you get something really, really interesting about it. And at, in Providence, what I have found is that it's a great community where you have this, you have Brown who's like just churning out doctors. You have RISD who's churning out designers. You have companies like Zymedica, you have innovation houses and incubators like Nemec. And it's all within a few miles of each other, you know, so that everyone can just like walk to the same place and like run and, and sort of build that out. And so that to me is the difference between, you know, cause I'm sure in any city you could say the same thing, obviously say that we have obviously doctors, designers, engineers, blah, blah, blah. The difference in Providence is it's in a place that you can make it your own. Providence is still a young city in some ways. And there's a ton of opportunity here in that sense to to take that and and bring it together because everyone's right across the street from each other. And I think that's what can make it extremely successful with as long as we continue these different pathways. Awesome. Ion, it was a pleasure having you on you as well, Aiden, to sum everything up. So if you obviously are listening and want to get in contact with Aiden, you can go through our Nemec website, talk to myself, and we can, you know, talk about what, what you want are interested in. If you're interested in doing an innovation design sprint with us, please come to our website at www.nemeccenter.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn under Danielle Sturm. And Ion, if anyone um, is interested in speaking to you more, is the best way to connect with you through LinkedIn? Yeah, the best way to connect with me is LinkedIn. Email me at ion.bandari.vt, as in Virginia Tech, at gmail.com. I'm always happy to collaborate, always happy to work with people. I, I keep this quote with me that's from one of my favorite MCs, which is my number one mission is to make my kids proud of me. And I don't have kids, but someday I'd love for them to look up and be like, yeah, dad did that. That's cool. You know? See, and now they can listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. And uh, so if you have any opportunity for me to make uh, my kids proud of me someday, I would love to join and help. I love that. Well, thank you. Very good. Thanks, Daniel. That was great. At Nemec, our mission is to support medtech and digital health startups expedite the developmental process in order for their ideas to realize commercial success and ultimately provide value to the patients they serve. Learn more about how we can support your startup's path to commercialization at www.nemeccenter.com. That's N-E-M-I-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. We put out new episodes of MedTech Monday every other Monday. If you have a story, guest, or an idea for a MedTech Monday episode, please reach out to us at info at 
That's info at N-E-M-I-C-E-N-T-E-R dot com. Thanks for tuning in. 